keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roasts. I am your host, Dan St. Germain. We got a big fucking show today, bro. We got Scott Chaplin. We got Robert Carpeliz, possibly the appearance of Phantom Mike Lawrence. And from Wrestle Inc., the man who's been in the news the last couple months and especially the last couple days, Colt Cabana's improv partner, <laughs> Nick Houseman. Nick, what's going on, buddy? Oh, I'm I'm just sitting here uh, reliving all the great comedy that Scott Colton and I used to do. It's all I do <laughs> is think about it, man. You know how? I mean, we're gonna get into it, and you know what? I'll do show plugs. We got a lot of fun stuff coming up on the show, guys. Like uh, in the next couple months, I'll, I'll talk about that at the end of the episode. Um, but before. Uh, but before we even get into the recent developments, and we know you've been talking to CM Punk's camp or whatever about the incident. Um, yeah, what was that like, dude? Like when you were there at that and, and he called you out? Like, is it hilarious? I've never seen somebody like bomb calling someone out before. And that was the first time I've seen somebody ever like really just bomb calling someone out. And it was, it was so funny because it, kind of set the stage for the rest of the scrum. But what was it like? I mean, you being the 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 focus of his ire at that moment. I had a blast. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you know uh, I, I, I hadn't done anything wrong, right? Yeah. And uh, so for me, it was just like free publicity. Um, and now everybody knows that I did comedy um which is good uh because i'm like one step ahead of scott chaplin <laughs> <laughs> um so no i mean i wish i could sit here and be like you know tell everybody i'm all pissed off and how awful i think it all was and everything like that but you know i feel bad I, it, it was a it was a really bad night for everybody but nick hausman so <laughs> i i had a blast <laughs> Yeah, that was like, I mean, honestly, that's the best advertisement I've ever seen for a wrestling journalist. Dude, you know? I'm I, I'm over, you know, yeah. and like, uh, it was, uh, you told me before we went on the air that I haven't, I don't, I have people that listen to Dave Meltzer for me and yeah. send me notes and then we put together the posts and everything like that. So I don't listen to uh, Dave a whole he, lot. He brought up today that I guess CM Punk's camp did research and found out you indeed were not friends with Colt Cabana and that he apologized for it. Yeah. So what, what well, like? Did he call you up? Did he text you? This is CM, CM Punk apologizing to Nick Howell. I, I will say this. I told Dave that off the record. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> cool um no, it was it was pretty you know it, it yeah, that's, that's uh, a pretty decent say, thing for a guy to do honestly you know in that situation you know 
It was a uh, yeah. It was something I was going to try to keep for the book, but I guess it, it the cat's out of the bag, and people are talking about it. I'll say something about it. Um, yeah, no, it was a it was a very surreal experience. Um, I was up very very late doing the scrum, um, and got a uh, message uh, from an unlisted number the next day um, when I woke up at like one o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, it turned out life to be... of a wrestling journalist, guys. Yeah, the hard, the hard life of a wrestling journalist. So uh, it was a Sunday, for to be fair. Yeah. Uh, but like anyway, it, yeah, I rolled over and it was uh, this number and just said, "Hi, Nick. This is Phil," and I knew who it was. And uh, yeah, I got to message back and forth with Punk a little bit uh, that day, um, and. You know, like I told him and like I'm telling y'all, it's no heat with me. I mean, you know, he uh, he just for some historical uh, perspective, when I was doing comedy with Scott Colton years ago, like a decade ago, um, Punk was really cool to me. You know, he'd come to our shows. He brought the WWE title around, definitely made me some money because people knew he was coming to our shows. And so we, you know, draw well. Um, I went to his house one night after a pay-per-view, um, hung out, watched him, you know, break down his match. And he was very, very cool to me. So when I had the falling out with Scott, you know, I don't think Punk got the message, <laughs> you know, and I think he just kind of continued to live in this world where, where Cabana and I were, were harmoniously getting along and doing comedy. And, you know, once I made it clear to him that that wasn't the case and, you know, there was no heat with me and I wished him well. And that was really about the end of it. You know, it, I, I was surprised. I was surprised because he didn't need to do that. And, um, you know, I think kind of spoke a bit to me um, about him uh, having to do that, because, you know, a lot of people right now are obviously drawing their own conclusions about this, that and the third, everybody involved. Um, and, you know, again, it was a bad night for all those people, but from my end, like, you know, AEW still giving me interviews, Punk and I have buried the hatchet, there's no heat there, and that was really all about it was, and, and just to kind of clarify, you know, I did break that big story yesterday, which we're going to talk about, but the two things aren't exactly linked. Uh, I talked to Punk's camp, uh, I know people in and around Punk, he's a tough guy to get a hold of, um, but, you know, when I saw the news yesterday, uh, I just figured it was time to kind of see where their head was at. You know, I, I will say this. I made it very clear to Punk when we were messaging that I wasn't looking to use him as a source and bug him and blow him up and try to get all the details, squeeze all the info. If I wanted to be doing that, we'd have a lot more info by now. You know, right. um, it just, it just kind of happened yesterday where I had some people that I knew would be able to give me some clarity and, uh, I, I, truthfully, I got a lot more information than I was expecting. I was expecting to hit a brick wall and get no information. So, <laughs> well, now I mean, you know, Meltzer has commented on this information, and you know, right. obviously, the Bucks and and uh, the Omega camps are, are skeptical about uh, what was told to you. Um, what sure. first? I mean, go into what was told to you, and. I mean, have you talked with anybody on their side and, and what are obviously the big conflict is that everyone is talking about the dog injury at this point, but, um, you know, and one side's calling bullshit, the other side's saying it happened, you know, you weren't there, I wasn't there, so we don't know. 
but uh, right yeah um i i i have tried to get a hold of people from the elites camp um you know i it's uh, this is a story that everyone will tell you has been very very difficult to get information on so i ran with what i had which was the one side of the story and i feel like we made that pretty clear in the article um and you know uh, from my end you know uh i mean it sounds reasonable right i mean i, I always thought that there the, did they kick the door in did they push the door in you know i i don't really know what we do know was everybody seemed really pissed off. It did seem uh, like, the, I mean, they went there, they didn't went there to talk. They went there to- No, I don't get that vibe either, you know? And yeah. the thing that's so interesting to me about this is uh, Mega, who I think is like an executive at AEW, which is like Tony's right-hand person, walked him there. Scott, we can't hear you. Scott, we can't hear you. Oh, no, I'm just saying Mega. Yeah, the she's, Mega, like a, yeah. she's a, a female lawyer. Yeah, she she, lawyer, she's, she's an attorney. She was the uh, counsel for the Jaguars. I used to do wow, work with okay. her oh, years God. ago. She's and a uh, lot. Yeah, now she's, <laughs> and now she's here. But yeah, she, that's one of those things that I, just as an outsider, I find very surprising that given the escalating tensions and what was discussed to usher people to where punk is, no good was going to most likely come from that situation regardless when you're bringing it's not like you're bringing those executives there and they're going to go sit and have a rational conversation and have some baked goods with him it's going to wind up being something that's going to escalate one way or the other and regardless of whether or not the door was flung open or or uh, the dog was injured or this was going to lead to who threw the first punch when you're dealing with wrestlers and they're that heated the uh, potential for some sort of violence is is going to be there and and they it sounds like should have probably known better mm -hmm. yeah i that's i i, I tweeted out earlier uh knowing i'm this is probably going to get falling on deaf ears but you know when do we find out who conducted this investigation when do we find out what the results of this i heard it was the same members of the 9-11 commission I heard. Oh, cool. Was, yeah, it's it's that vetted. Yeah, it's it cool. was them and and Dan House, and he needed yeah, something yeah, to do. From Vermont oh. as the head of yeah. Well, I'm glad to know that Punk threw a punch so hard it melted steel. You know, like <laughs> man, what a great gimmick that would be. That should have been <laughs> should have been Steve Blackman's gimmick. Yeah, but I saw uh, now I saw Punk's UFC fights. They're not melting steel. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um. So I was. I'm. I'm still kind of surprised by that. And so, but like. The reason I I want to know more about this investigation and like again, nobody's getting uh, doesn't look like anybody's going to jail, right? No. I mean, when I I asked some questions yesterday of Punk's camp that I was very surprised I got explicit answers. One was, "Are you the subject of any litigation?" Right, and they told me no, and I said, "Okay, right." And so that's pretty big, right? If if from their side it doesn't sound like there's any, you know, legal criminal filings against them, right? I don't know if it's going the other way. Did not get a clear answer on that. If if there's litigation going back in the other direction, yeah. um, but I, I guess it's like color me skeptical a bit with pro wrestling neutral third party investigations. The only yeah. one that's ever really, uh, I feel like satiated fans was the Ring of Honor investigation into Marty Skrull where they came back and were like we looked into this this guy's trouble regardless of the fact we're building the whole company around him we're going to get rid of him right that was a big move
But then you go over and you look at Impact Wrestling. There are allegations of sexual harassment and uh, unsafe work environment against uh, members of the Impact Management or members of Impact Management, including Don Callis, Scott Demore, and Ed Nordholm. Uh, I did a lot of research into that particular investigation. I have people on the record that say that was a uh, screwy investigation where uh, things were either not appropriately looked into or people were pressured to change their stories. Uh, Basically, it was, in my opinion, that Impact Wrestling investigation, the the, the work was in from the get, you know? So I don't know, like, it's interesting to me that a Steele's wife, Lucy, doesn't appear to have been uh, uh, interviewed as part of the investigation. I don't know. I want to know who was interviewed as part of the investigation. You know, I just as as an outside observer, just kind of wondering how this all played out. What were the conclusions that were brought to? I don't know. I'm just interested. And, And look, I know Punk didn't do any favors with that, that scrum and pissed everybody off, but Look, I, I keep going back to the UFC, right? You want to make money. You look at what these guys say in scrums about family members, about these guys, about whatever. I mean, it's nuts, you know? And then people yeah. pay a lot of money to watch somebody who said something fucking batshit and get their ass kicked, right? It's why Charles, Charles Sonnen has a huge career, you know? Yeah, totally. And so, so like, I, I don't think that anything he said warranted, you know, an actual backstage altercation um i disagree about that but (laughs) i don't mean you you can't tell a bunch of wrestlers they're pieces of shit and then expect them not yeah i don't i just fight you it's just you know you just don't i just don't hear about this kind of stuff i mean i've been around wrestling a long time wrestlers are by and large theater nerds and like it's just it's very unusual for this kind of especially this day and age to see things escalate like that so so with the dog anecdote I think the dog anecdote kind of, at least for me, filled in that gap maybe a little bit about why things escalated to the point that they did. Um, If you see your dog just got its head rocked by a slamming door, I mean, probably going to piss you off and you're going to want to get these people out of the room. But why did it carry on allegedly for six minutes, right? That's, it's not like the dog got hit, punched somebody, these guys get pulled out of the room, separated. It sounds like people were running in, Pat Buck's like, having to pull people off you know i mean jericho's popping in popping out you know like what's going on here you know? jericho's, jericho's like popping in with an opera mask and then leaving <laughs> mm, yeah <her. laughs> so i don't know it's just a very it's a very confusing situation obviously it's their business they can make whatever decisions they want you know uh i just i i'm just interested at this point to kind of know what the facts are and how they came to these conclusions um just because again i was surprised by the answers i was getting yesterday about how little communication there would have been, it sounds like, from, from Punk's end with AEW and how uh, certain people that were in the room... So he has, has he talked to Tony or anyone since this? I don't know. You know, I mean, I was just explicitly told communication had broken down and there was no longer communication. Or they, there, there had not been communication from their side with Punk's camp. And do you know anything about the contract buyout or whether... No, I don't know any of that. I didn't get into it. You know, I was already getting enough information yesterday and I didn't get a chance to kind of dive into the, the contract negotiation, but does not sound to me like a guy who's coming back. And Something that is, oh, sorry. No, and well, that's just kind of surprising to me because I really thought that he was going to come back. And uh, the fact it's just 
seems dead is surprising to me. Something I thought was so strange was we went all these weeks of radio silence and then you break this story and then Meltzer's immediately like, oh, this is a bullshit story, which means somebody's talking to him on it. It's he's so strong about it, yet this is sort of one of the first details that have come out on the punk side. What do you think's propelling that? Who do you think's, you know, pushing that or or what the what the motivation is? Because there's no motivation for punk to put out a, a bullshit story if he's not going back and there's no litigation. Well, you know, again, when I reached out yesterday, you know, uh, I was not expecting to get anything like I don't really want to get into the weeds about what I did and how I got to the story. But, you know, uh, I, I don't know. Can you rephrase real fast from what you just asked? I kind of. Yeah, it's, you know, the, we hadn't heard anything sort of official from or any information from either camp about any of this. And then this detail comes out sure. just in your conversation. So, and then Melcher's immediately like, I've been told this is this is a total fabrication. It just feels very weird that Dave's like, this is totally not accurate when there's no reason for, for Punk Side to really benefit from floating the story out there if there is no. no this, this the reason that this kind of came about to, it, it it felt to me as i was being given information there was a kind of resentment towards how much of the story had been told from one side i think that's kind of why i got this waterfall of information at all to be honest and um i don't know i, I don't know what dave's motivations are i mean i'll trust him i was told what i was told and i reported it Dave was told what he was told, he reported it, right? Um, it would seem to me that people on the other side of the aisle are easy for Dave to get a hold of, not me, <laughs> you know, not the case with me. Uh, I have reached out to Tony Khan multiple times since the scrum. I have not heard anything, that's fine. I'm sure he's dealing with his own stuff. Uh, I've continued to get interviews from AEW. I'm hopeful, knock on wood, I'll be at the next scrum and uh, can be participating in that. But well, I heard some rumor that they're not going to even have reporters there, but I, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. I, I reached bullshit uh, internet thing. I, I, all I know is they added full gear to their AEW press credential list. And it was listed exactly how all other media scrum or all other pay-per-views have been listed up till now. Mm. And so uh, as far as I'm, I am operating under the impression that I will be going to full gear and participating in a media scrum. If I'm not, then I'd like to know soon because we're buying my travel. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, I mean, so those first few days when the story came out, it, it was also punk side were the first to speak. If you remember, that was the whole kicking down the door. Jim yeah. Cornette's guy, Brian last got info before Dave or anybody. So, um, why not the dog story then is also interesting. I well, mean, I also like picturing in like them trying to figure out, like looking at a picture of Punk's dog's face before it was hit with a door and going like, yeah, it's mangled. How do we figure this out? How do we figure out his teeth are already sticking out um, improperly? <laughs> How do we know <laughs> which two teeth are loose? Yeah. You know, I mean, the most famous picture of him and Punk did not help because he looks like he's ready to bite in that. No, he's a mangled dog. That's like no, no, that, Scott, that was a steel. It was a picture of Punk and a steel. <laughs> but it also, it also, the the other breaking news was, you know, initially was Omega picked up the dog. And that was the whole story. Oh, Omega picked up the dog. He saved the dog. Well, maybe because the dog was hurt. And that's why he had to pick up the dog. Exactly. And maybe that's why Punk and Omega were on the phone later that night. Um, 
yeah. it just seems to me like the same day the elite show back up at work it's like uh hey they kicked my dog yeah. <laughs> all right see you around <laughs> like i mean it's such a good guy story I will say Punk's Camp didn't reach out to me to plan this story. I reached out to Punk's Camp to get a story. Okay, great, great. great. Um, so I, I will say that. Uh, Take that, Dave. This is I wrote. I reached out to his camp to get a response <laughs> and got what I got. Excellent. If you even, But if you look at the timeline, right, the initial reports from, I think, both sides came within 24, 48 hours. I think Dave had something. This is what Punk's Camp is saying. This is mm -hmm. what the Elite's Camp is saying. From what I'm reporting, the, the dog teeth thing happened days after All Out. So there was uh, there was obviously reporting the dog was involved, dog got touched, picked up, pushed her, taken out, whatever. We knew the dog was involved in the melee. We now know that days later, sounds like, dog gets taken to a vet. Vet says two teeth that were not loose before are now loose. We're going to have to remove these teeth. And the conclusion I, I obviously feel was drawn here was that the dog got knocked in the face and his teeth got loose and he had to lose some teeth, you know? So it, I, I don't know if that detail didn't get leaked initially because they didn't know. Right. I mean, they, they, there was obviously talk about the dog um, and putting hands on the dog or, you know, whatever. But at that point, they didn't know this dog was going to be losing teeth. That, that sounds like something that happened days after the scrum. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. My, my dog's been losing teeth, you know, for years. So, you know, um, and I will say knowing Nick, I want to add this, knowing Nick and being friends with Nick, out, you know, in this weird wrestling bubble, sure. Nick is very impartial in the sense, I think the only person you've mentioned to me that like your shoot friends with in the business is Teddy Long. I love okay. Teddy. Yeah. I mean, besides that, I mean, like, it's not like you're in the Bucks camp. It's not like you're in Punk's camp. You, no. you don't, you're not like one of these guys. You're not like... You know who's the who's the guy from who W Ryan Zatton who clearly just is on WWE's nuts. You oh, know he's like, not a journalist. He works yeah. for him. He's on the payroll. You know? So it's like yeah. that's the thing where Nick is Nick is definitely Nick doesn't have an axe to grind in this situation. So mm -hmm. anybody who thinks that Nick has at all been you know tampered by another side or anything like that, I mean that that couldn't be further from the truth. No, no like you're, not, you're not hanging out with CM Punk. No, no. Punk and I are not hanging out. We're not riding bicycles around the West Loop or anything like that. You may now. Uh, you have some time. I guess. I don't know. The world is crazy. We'll see what 2023 holds. No, your friendship um, with Dan solidifies you are far from friends with people in the wrestling business. Hey, asshole. Oh. I DM with Jack Alexander <laughs> once every two weeks. It's, it's, diff it's, 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 an, it's been an interesting transition for me because I used to be a wrestling manager. I managed for like almost a decade under the name Ronaldo Piven. And so I was very much like somebody in the locker room and was like conditioned to not talk about the business. I mean, the opposite of what I feel like you were trained to do as a wrestling or as a journalist in general, right? But when I made that transition away and I started getting into journalism um, and covering the business, um, you know, I just want to give people the, the best story I can. You know, I, I like to think that because I've been in this business and I know how the business works, I know where the stories are and I know what questions to ask. And uh, I, I loved making documentary films in college. Uh, I'm a geek who likes to think of myself as that guy watching the tiger eat the gazelle and doesn't stop the tiger, you know, because you want to capture nature as it is. You want to capture these moments and you want to portray them to people as they are. And having been around Chicago, again, worked with Punk and Cabana, covered their trial, 
know their friends, know their family members, know exactly how weird that was, like knowing how weird it was when Punk didn't agree to AEW and then they announced Colt Cabana had signed at a media scrum without doing an all elite graphic. And I was like, this is all very odd. So, you know, from my end, I just knew something was there. And I know how people are interested in this stuff. And so I just kept asking questions about it until everybody had a mental breakdown. And I feel bad about that in some ways. Cause like, I, you know, I see what people say. They're like, Nick Hausman may have killed AEW. Nick Hausman may have <laughs> run CM Somebody said he killed AEW? I have gotten some wild ass tweets. I, I don't, I don't like, know if you do this. Nick Hausman actually, he put together the exploding barbed wire rig. <laughs> yes. He was there. He he was doing the pyro. Yeah, and you heard the reason it wasn't big. Yeah, it's <laughs> fuck you, man. You're the reason it wasn't a huge explosion. So yes, you did, you did it. Well, and you know, from my end too, you know, I just wanted to know, I wanted to find out what was going on. I just think it was an interesting story, you know? But at the same time, the guy really wasn't happy and all this stuff was going on behind the scenes anyway it's not like my questions were probably going to lead to this guy leaving you know it sounds like is that another thing you got that he was worried that at double or nothing hangman was going to shoot on him that was wild to me you heard Um, that that was you right that was me yeah that was that was that was another kind of tidbit that was thrown in there and uh i mean that there's no way that that was ever going to happen by the way but well, what was interesting to me was like the way it was framed to me was that it sounded like Punk was concerned about working with the guy, didn't trust the guy, right? Um, and it doesn't sound like there was a lot of mediation on AEW's end to uh, resolve that, right? It kind of seemed like something that had been called out and then was never followed up on, which seems like kind of enigmatic of AEW where like somebody goes, hey, this person's not getting along with that person or I'm not getting along with this person. Maybe we should do something about it before it explodes. And they go, we'll deal with it later. And then they're all brawling in the back, right? You know, I I hope that as AEW grows, I hope that as Tony Khan grows, these things can be identified and resolved before they get to this point. I go back to what we said in the beginning about Mega taking these guys to CM Punk's room it just seems foolhardy to me. Like, I can't even believe, right? Like, I just can't even believe that that happened. And so I, I think it's just, it's growing pains for them. It's crazy business. Vince McMahon went through it when he took over WWF. He was out partying every night in strip clubs with the boys, getting drunk and taking, you know, uh, heart attacks uh, from from Brett and uh, Anvil. Uh, but then at a certain point, you know, realized that if I'm going to keep control of this locker room, I have to distance myself from the boys. I have to become a management figure and I can't be going around doing that stuff because if I'm trying to be one of the boys and I'm trying to be cool and I don't want to upset my friends, then you're going to let stuff go and things are going to get weird. And and I'm kind of waiting for that pullback from Tony. Uh, and I, I think he's kind of trying or at least to give optics that he's doing that, but I'm not, I'm not so sure. I, I just think that I think they I hope that as they grow, they do a better job of identifying this stuff. In in 2021 or whatever this happened, you can't smoke Big Swole's weed and then publicly fire her and expect or publicly state the reasons for her firing and expect there not to be blowback. Another thing with AEW, here's something that's way bigger 
that MLB was able to smooth over that. And it just shows you when you have a really well-run organization, you get the guys that are on top in the executive positions to take the two egos and be like, look, man, we got to make sure this is good for business. And for me, that's the Hank Aaron, Barry Bonds story, you know, where it's like, Hey, it was all this, there was all like whether or not Hank Aaron was ever going to like recognize Barry Bonds record because of the steroids. And he eventually came around and was it, was he like, ebullient about it no he wasn't but he did business you know and i think that that's kind of what's missing on from the from the tony khan side and, may, and maybe he just needs to you know eventually learn that yeah but what scares me the most is to nick's point like there's growing pains you had 90 percent because of nick's interference and in you single-handedly killing aw i'm just trying to get you a job with hunter um <laughs> you have what could have been one of the most catastrophic incidents to happen backstage you would think we need to learn from this and then you have the andrade situation not that long after so they didn't learn from their mistake and they seem to continue to be fostering these issues and people voicing their their frustrations and then taking them out physically there there does need to be sort of a come to jesus moment with aew where they they fix these issues or else the backstage is just going to become untenable and it's going to be the wild west. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And and I think it's uh, you know, it's interesting with the buyout talk of punk. Um it, it, the other reporting going around is like Tony's not looking to let people leave right now, right? That's not an image that he really wants. And if guys think that the way I'm going to get out of my contract is by kicking the shit out of somebody backstage, that's a really bad 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 message to be sending right right if there's a guy like andrade who's like i'm not getting a push here i want to go work with my wife and they're like we're not gonna let you out of your contract he's like well let's see if you let me out of my contract if i start beating the shit out of people backstage <laughs> and so it's just it's a it's it's a really bad spot and i think that it's definitely something to look at and and try to figure out how to do better on and look i know that i think i think moxie danielson stepping up as leaders is great I'm not the biggest Chris Jericho fan for a lot of reasons. I don't know that he's necessarily, I think he's a little too old school. I hate to say Carney, but I don't, I don't know that the mess. I don't know that the lessons Jericho is teaching younger talent is maybe healthy. Um, so I, I don't, I don't really, you know, I don't know exactly what you do to, to, to fix this right now. It is, it is maybe time to kind of look at what Hunter is doing over at WWE and take some notes because I can't think of a time that the WWE locker room has ever been this happy. Like it is night and day. Cause I talk to people over there too. And everybody I know over at WWE right now is like over the moon. Which They're is, which is fascinating to me because, you know, you and I were there for SummerSlam weekend. We, we were part of two different worlds. One was the roast of Ric Flair and one was SummerSlam weekend. And they were very different. And there was a lot of joy on the SummerSlam weekend end. And it's crazy because you have, the head, your head CEO being investigated for, you know, SEC improprieties, sexual misconduct. And they were able to move past that, which is so much bigger than a couple guys getting in a fight in a locker room and a dog possibly being injured. So, yeah. it, you know, it, it, it's kind of, and, you know, part of that too, is that, you know, you know, that, that hasn't, that investigation hasn't ended those, the HBO sports documentary hasn't come out. Maybe that'll all change. Who knows? But it is it is kind of crazy how 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 Hunter was able to bounce back from that versus Tony basically not being 
able to bounce back from a fucking high school food fight, you know? And I, and I think it's just the lines of communication, right? Yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta like the person who's giving you instructions, you know, good or bad. Yeah. And it sounds like there's a lot of frustration right now over in AEW world, which just the fact that everything is going through one uh, up and down through Tony Khan, which was a big frustration with Vince McMahon as well, you know, is people not being able to get time with him or getting frustrated with Vince's booking. And I don't know if it's just that the Hunter has made himself more available or if he's empowering his producers to be more hands-on with the talent uh, or, or whatever it may be. Um, but it's definitely something I'd be looking at right now as you're trying to figure out a way to improve your morale and keep people happy and keep people motivated and, and sticking around, you know? Well, Nick, thank you so much. You know, you know, you're able to step away from this pod anytime you want, but one of the uh, segments I wanted to um, keep you on for, which is our premium current events. Um, if you're punk, what do you do next? And is WWE a realistic possibility from Hunter's perspective is this possible or is the bridge too burned is there too like what do you what would you do if you were hunter right now would you hire him well i'll, I'll give you two answers the first answer what i think is going to happen is punk's probably never going to wrestle again i think he's probably i mean dude is if he's getting a buyout right he's a huge chunk of money you know for, yeah. and he didn't even have to wrestle to earn that money he's end. probably he's gonna get paid like 15 million right or something like that or 10 million yeah crazy money just to go away yeah. right to go away um if if i was hunter i'd absolutely go after him you know and if i right. was punk which i'm not i'd go back even after all the stuff you know like I, again i sat in that trial and i watched <laughs> punk and cabana go into discovery with a WWE doctor, go back and read all the coverage of that trial. The stuff that Punk alleged WWE did is wild. And he won that case. <laughs> and, you know, which means the jury felt WWE was doing some screwy medical malpractice on their end. You know, I can't think of a way to burn a bridge harder than to literally go through a trial and expose medical malpractice on behalf of the company. But that was five years ago, right? We're at a very different point right now where if Punk really wanted to make one more huge bag of money, he actually really wants to main event WrestleMania. And above anything else, if he truly hates these guys, and it would seem he does, I cannot think of anything that he and Hunter could be brought together by more than CM Punk obliterating all elite wrestling on a WWE microphone in a WWE ring. It is great for all of them and terrible for Tony Khan. And I also wonder too, like with the elite coming back, do they get CM Punk chanted? Like Punk's fans are nuts. They're cult members. And I don't know, man. I think you're, the, 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 I do think that like, you're kind of looking at Punk with like the rose colored glasses of, you know, 2014 right now. Like, He's gone through this. There are plenty of elite fans. Um, people are pissed at him that, you know, he, he kind of threw, you know, some, a fly in the ointment of this company. I just don't see it. Look, I don't know. And I, I just, I think the best deal for both parties would be, you know, which is hilarious because all punk did for his last promos in WWE was like ridiculing part-timers, but it really is a part-time contract. <laughs> Give punk five or 10 matches See, I would say five, 
see how it goes and then go from there. Um, and yes, are you going to pay him a lot more money? Sure. But he's worth more than edge. You know, like he, he's probably not as worth as much as Brock. I'll say he's not worth as much as Brock, but he's definitely worth more than edge. You know, I would, if I'm, you know, and look, it's about what you want here. Money is great. And I'm sure that punk would want a lot of money to do it. But at the end of the day, um, punk, uh, doesn't like these guys i think would relish the opportunity to say that and i think yeah, that he would not like relish- hunter either like wasn't well, that- he hated his real issue was with hunter and not vince right like remember yes. the whole wrestlemania thing was like he was going to fight triple h and it's like what the fuck are you talking about so on that note you're at a point right now where punk wants to show hey even if i don't like you and you don't like me i'm a professional i'm here to do a show i'm here to make money and do business for sure hunter looking to fill the shoes of Vince McMahon wants nothing more than to say, I'm like Vince. I can do business with people I don't like as long as it's going to make the company money. There is so many good reasons you can come up with that they would do it. I just think the guy's 44. I think he's got a ton of cash. I don't know that wrestling's necessarily his passion like it used to be. And I don't know. The guy just may just want to stay home, drink his, you know, wheat tea or whatever he does and play video games. I don't know. I mean, the one fumble, because I I do think he should go to WWE, um, make your money quick, get out quick. But the one fumble is any anti-AEW promo or any pro, any pro, he's going to sound like full of shit, no matter what he says, because he's unhappy everywhere he's been and the bridges have been burnt everywhere. And so it's just like, okay, be the guy who comes in to make the money. And yeah, you can say you love the fans and you want to wrestle again, but you can't act like you like one place better or that one place sucks and one place doesn't. Uh, you know, you got you to gotta go on a Kanye apology tour. Uh, even if, you know, your dog didn't, you know, get it. You know, even if your dog did get hurt, you have to, you have to make amends to some fans or you just sound like you're full of shit. And yeah, he's going to sound like not, he's full of shit anyway. That's not his, so. that's not his, like, it, it, you know, the next point, yes, this is Hunter's chance to show I can be the bigger man like Vince was and welcome everybody back into the fold, no matter what they did. You know, the the Warrior Award is a, a pretty good example of that. I think Punk coming back to WWE in a non-wrestling capacity at first, whether he's on commentary or whatever they want to do with him. You know, he went back to WWE when he was on that FS1 show and people like didn't, the, world didn't, the world didn't explode. Him getting an opportunity to go into the WWE Hall of Fame to have his final chance to address the fans, if it is his I'm walking away kind of moment, you have him headlining the Hall of Fame. He's giving his farewell speech. He can burn bridges if he wants. He can take shots. He can be magnanimous. But once you're in the Hall of Fame, they're not going to take that away from you, theoretically. You're going to con- now you can get merchandise money from the WWE machine. Unless uh, Bubba the Love Sponge sets up a secret camera, brother. <laughs> no, yeah, also, I, Robert, I, in terms of like imaginary brass rings, like, you say WWE Hall of Fame, and I hear Santa Claus. Like, right. what is even that as an award? I'm saying what that is. What that means is they're going to make they're going to make merchandise with you. They're going to put you in video games. They're going to license the fuck out of you in a way that AEW's licensing right now across the board is pretty subpar. Like yeah. WWE will always they preserve your legacy. That's what I've always talked about. That they own almost every library that exists. And yes, Tony has the the Ring of Honor library with Punk stuff, but the bulk of Punk's career to most fans is WWE, and it's non-existent. To be able to exist in video packages, to be able to exist in 
you know, DVDs when they made DVDs or network specials or whatever it is. That was a big thing for Bret Hart. And I was there yeah, when Bret came back. And Hart that was a lot he, different than Bret, right? I mean, as far as like, as far I mean, as ego, uh, oh, no, not no, ego. They, they all care about egos, their ego and but, reputation. Yeah, but Bret is like, Bret's a mark, man. Bret's a mark for the business. He's a mark for himself. Punk is not a mark. Punk may be a narcissist, like Bret's a narcissist, but he's not a He's not a mark. So that that's my only thing. Yeah, but it's a it's a revenue thing. And it's also it is a reputational thing that he wants to at least be able to he can go out on his own terms in WWE in a way where now if the last time we see him is the press conference and all this, that's not that's not the way he wants his career to be remembered. WWE is very good at being able to rehabilitate someone's career and at least preserve their memory so you're in video packages going forward and it doesn't hurt to get that extra check and if he is healthy enough to do one more match like future peacock star stone cold steve austin like they can give him one last wrestlemania match and they can use all the smoke and mirrors they need to give him that main event so that he's theoretically happy and it opens the door potentially for aj to come back in some capacity for her working with the women in the different divisions there a couple of things, man. You said a lot of really smart stuff there, Robert. First, um, the Bret Hart comparison, I think, is fantastic. is very apt. And we know Punk loves Bret. I mean, the guy cannot stop talking about how Bret is right. I mean, I think he says that every single media scrum, right? Bret Hart was right. He's always right. So if Punk's looking for somebody to justify the decision to go back to WWE, I think you'd think of Bret. You know, if Bret can go back after they killed his brother, why can't I go back after they... Gave me Z packs, you know, like I think that there's, I think that's probably a good selling point for him. Um, I think that the man, the model, you just, the, 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 the model that WWE, the thing is, I have heard a lot of people that left WWE for AEW hated Vince, big win for them, loved, loved the money though, loved the system. And, and that is a real frustration for a lot of uh, bigger name people over at AEW is the lack. I mean, I, I have had, People at AEW tell me I make more on my WWE residual check than I do on my downside at AEW. And that's a real frustration for them. That's a real oh, frustration. I did not know that. See, I thought with all with them being able to do, you know, the Twitch stuff, which I guess Hunter is letting them do now, right? Or to some extent, he's a little more liberal on it. I thought that they would at least make that up. I mean, that like, you know, WWE'd get the big money, but you'd make it up consistently through your side projects in AEW. But if that's not the case, then that's not the but case. But I mean, look, not everybody's out there making movies or, you know, right. there are some guys that, you know, have their little vitamin supplement brands and stuff like that. But I mean, like Robert said. Yeah, Evil are, Uno doesn't have an OnlyFans. Yeah, <laughs> only, hey, the women are killing it right now, you know, but like T-shirts, action figures, video games, all, the many different tentacles that WWE has refined over its 40 years all flow back to the talent in some way, as long as you're on good terms, which, you know, is a big caveat. Uh, but I definitely think Punk would go back. And I think that he would, uh, if he went back, I think he'd make a lot of money. And I think that'd be a big motivator for him. And, and just to kind of real quickly go back to the Brett point about like, if you're looking for somebody to kind of justify your decision to return, uh, I, uh, I definitely think there's some similarities to be had here between Cody and Punk. And I, I, de I don't think that you could look at Cody's return and not see money signs in your eyes if you're seeing well, the, you know i will say this though the only thing about cody's return is they did the opposite of like burning that company like that he has not shit on AEW. he's not like done any like shoot style promos they're actually just presenting him the way he should be presented 
right but that's the thing and, and that's a big deal that is a big deal but it's not like but with punk you have to deal with like oh there's all this controversy that we have to address with cody we rolled his eye we rolled our eyes at a lot of shit but there wasn't as much controversy punk wants to show he's not an asshole who divides locker rooms and is impossible to work with and i have a very strong feeling if he did go back to wwe he would be on his absolute best behavior you think yeah. he would be on his best behavior even with like he kind of got everything he wanted on this. He got the money. He got the main event spot. He got he got the to pick most of the people he wanted to work with. And, you know, like he really he everything he bitched about WWE he got in AEW and he couldn't make it work. So you really think that he's going to have that emotional maturity to suck it up and be like, yeah, really? I, wow. I don't. I don't. And truthfully, I don't really know that he. And again, I I don't want to come across as defend anybody. Dan, you did such a great job of making me sound so neutral here, which I am. But I don't really know. I mean. Punk, one of his biggest frustrations in his now infamous media scrum comments was, what have I done wrong? What did I do to deserve this, right? I've seen reports that Cabana, when he heard Punk was coming in, started telling people, oh, this guy's going to make it so hard for me. Oh, I'm depressed. Oh, he's so mean. And like, you go around and you whisper that in the ears of everybody. And then all of a sudden, because look, I'll be honest with you. Scott Colton smeared me in the Chicago comedy community. I think he's yeah. an asshole. I am yeah. fascinated um, to see. Scott's been, a, Scott's been a friend of the show. So he's been very yeah, he's asshole. Cool. I don't like Scott, you know. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, I can see Cabana walking around and doing what he did to me, which is just, oh, I don't like this guy. Right. And then one day you wake up and you're like, dude, why does everybody hate me? And they're like, dude, Cabana's talking shit, nonstop shit about you. And like the way that these people, you know, Cabana, Cabana made a lot of people a lot of money. There are people that owe their careers to Cabana. I mean, the pro wrestling tease model was the reason a lot of people had to quit their day jobs and become wrestlers full time. And we, we know, talked about that before on here where Colt creating the pro wrestling tease model and his podcast was one of the first wrestling podcasts. And he gave a spotlight to a lot of talent who did not have that access before. And a lot of those guys are in AEW. The difference is when you walk into WWE, nobody cares about that shit. They just want to make money. And you're not going to run into some of the problems Punk had with Hangman going on TV and going into business for himself. You do that in WWE, you start messing with a publicly traded company, you're done. AEW is very forgiving of a lot of that stuff, whereas WWE is going to put a lid on it or... Hey, guess what? You're you're you know you're gone. Yeah. Well, but, and again, that sad for, moment when you realize the guy who's famous for pipe bombs, or it's because they're written and approved before. Yeah. <laughs> but even that, yeah. right? Yeah, everybody, it it was not. This was not a pipe bomb. It was just a bomb. <laughs> but but like you go back, but you go back again. Go back to the Cody situation, right? Who alienated alienated Cody from that locker room? talked a bunch of shit, leaked rumors online about Cody, made him not want to be there, made him want to leave. It was the elite, right? Period. Point blank. Oh, is that true? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. If it, yeah. I, didn't, I, never, no, I mean, we didn't know that. Is I that, never, I've never heard of that. How do you know yeah. that, by the way? I've never heard he was I alienated know. or any, you know. So I've, know. I've heard that as well, but sorry. Yeah, no. It, I mean, obviously it, people have reported it, but it, it, I'm just wondering how. I've heard stories about the tension between those four individuals backstage that I can't repeat here, sadly, because I think it would maybe expose some sources, but the tension was very, very, very real. And when people were like, 
there's no way Cody's going to leave and go back to WWE. I, I mean, I used to do a podcast and I was like a broken record. I was like, you guys are all nuts. This guy hates it there. This guy hates being there. You know, like the thing about Cody was. No, even like, I mean, even the stuff that they would say to be like, oh, but Cody called out Triple H. I'm like, no, he didn't. If anything, he, when he used that sledgehammer on the throne, he he like put over Hunter. When he he worships him, yeah. You know, hundred percent. It was just like this is the gold measuring stick, and I'm about to beat the gold measuring stick, which is like, I mean, you if you're hundred, you can't be pissed at that at all, you know. Well, it's just interesting to me because this is twice now where you've had two big name draws for your company leave over having to deal with high school drama from some guys. And I hate to phrase it like that because I don't want to make every sound like children here, but like, well, but now wait, so Cody before he leaves, he cuts a promo where he talks negatively about CM Punk. Um, and since then, I've never seen him say a word about CM Punk and only say, like, you know, yes, we built something great. Me, the Bucks, Kenny, and Tony, you know, other than it, that. Um, there's there's no reason for Cody to to, to talk badly. He probably can't either, right? right I heard but, that's with the Cody, elite, too. The even elite, before elite that. be allowed to talk. I don't know if he didn't talk about it, but even before, Cody was the first huge blunder AEW had in that he went on television talking about not having a contract and we talked about it on here saying, all right, he must have signed a contract and they're just playing in internet rumors because they're never going to be that dumb as to let a guy go on TV, say, I don't have a contract, and then he's gone. And then it happened, which shows there is no quality control. There's nobody you know, policing that locker room. And then after that, like the barn doors were open and everybody was airing everything. Yes, I agree with that. Robert's very correct about that. Yes, Cody was the catalyst for people to start speaking openly about their frustrations um but again like i just think that there it's a it's a system right these wwe guys they know what to expect from wwe they know if you're a new if you're if you're new to the game if you are not an established name you are gonna have to go there roll over and do whatever they tell you to do whether it's be stardust whether it's shave your head whatever it may be on the other side of the coin they know that if you're an established name and you have some clout you can kind of mo you can make that system work for you right and i think that that's a message wwe sent very very strongly with cody which is hey this guy did exactly what we love which is he got frustrated puffed his chest out he left he went and showed that he's got uh drawing power reinvented himself and you know what you can come back and we're going to treat you different now and i think that i think the lane is there for punk to do the same. And I think it is weirdly similar to Cody Rhodes situation, like very, very similar to Cody's situation. Nick, I, I want to ask you as a, as a reporter, do you, are, how, how have your dealings been with um, as far as the Vince, Tony and Hunter administrations, as far as your frustration, as far as accessibility, what has been easier for who has been easier for you to contact? You are not somebody who's on WWE's payroll. You are not somebody who's on AEW's payroll. Uh, if you were on Impact's payroll, uh, well, they made a bad decision because they're still in the same place. But um, what, 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 how has it been as a reporter dealing with all these companies in general? My relationship with both companies is about the same. I mean, I get an interview with a talent every month or every other month. Uh, I go to the big shows. Um, I mean, I'm hoping we get to continue to do media scrums with AEW and Ring of Honor. We'll see. 
But with WWE, I, I mean, I, I, it feels like it's opened up a little bit more to me. I mean, we're doing the media calls before and after NXT shows again. Now it's with Sean. That's fine. Um, when I go to when I go to the Big Four, um, they have media press row for me. They, I talk to five or six talents on site. You know, uh, Adam Hopkins, the PR head over at WWE, has never been anything but completely professional with me, even if he doesn't always respond to my emails. But that's fine; he's very busy. Um, and then over on AEW side, uh, Mandy O'Donnell, who's the AEW PR person, is like the nicest person I've ever met. I'm I'm not kidding. Like the AEW team, John, Mandy, they do they're they're great and i it's i don't it's i don't really have any issues with the front of house way i mean if, if you're asking like who which company is easier to get like backstage gossip on i mean aew is a leaky ship um but uh, you know they're both very professional with me i i, I honestly don't Please tell us, was Athena shooting on that girl on dark? Hey, dude, I, 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 I don't need to ask anybody around on that one. I watched that one and I just said, that's that's rough. You don't do that to it people. Pretty, so. It was pretty, pretty rough, man, but I don't know. Yeah, but if you're AEW, not to not to step on Nick's world, but like, why allow you? Why allow them to do those media scrums? Like WWE showed with with uh, Clash of the Castle and then what they did in, in Saudi Arabia, like, their guys know how to master those press conferences and they get the most mileage out of it. AEW kind of showed like, you can't trust some of these guys in front of a live microphone. So the risk is yeah. way worse than the reward. Robert had an analogy, which sounds cruel, but I actually agree with, which is um, my uh, MO. Yeah. Yeah. Which was like the thing, the difference between Vince and Tony right now is that Vince has realized that they're circus animals and Tony hasn't. And you have to, you have to make sure that you don't have the blinking light in front of the elephant or it's going to stampede and kill everybody. You know, I had an interesting exchange. I won't say the company, a uh, wrestling company recently uh, asked me to stop asking their talent if they were interested in going to, to WWE or AEW. Cause they thought oh, I wonder was, who that is. <laughs> it was, they thought it was a bad look for their company that I was asking that question. And I it was pretty direct. I just said, look, I asked the questions people want to hear. I'm not a PR department. I'm a journalist. And if your talent... Also did it sitting Indian style in the middle yeah, of the I did. <laughs> But if your talent is, not, is answering my questions in a way that you're unhappy with, go talk to your talent. You know, like, right. that's not my fault. If I said, are you guys interested in going to WWE or AEW? And they said, no, I love it here. Why would I do that? Then, then we wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> you know, like... I do think it's a risk, but I think it's I think it's a I think it's a fine risk. You, you got to give access to these talents in a way where you're not going to look controlling, where you, where you got to show some transparency. I think just to keep face with the fans. And I have never had AEW or WWE ask me to stay away from any subjects. They have never told me not to ask anything. And I think that if you're going to have that environment. You just have to have some trust. Well, it, it's funny you should mention that, Nick, because there was this uh, cartoon being developed at Peacock uh, <laughs> with Uncle Steve Austin, Dan Soder, and a, and a lesser known, but in many ways more handsome talent uh, the, whose name will go unsaid. Uh, anyway, sorry. But uh, all right. Well, Nick, dude, thank you, buddy, for doing this. You're welcome to stay on for the rest of the show. We're, we're attempting to. I'm getting married on Saturday. I got to go make dinner. Oh my God. Holy shit. I didn't know. I knew you were getting married. I didn't know it was the Saturday. Congratulations, yeah. buddy. 40, 48 hours away from ring being on my finger. Yeah. 
Might as well tough. We found out you're marrying CM Punk's sister. (laughs) Uh, I I thank you guys for having me on. Absolutely. Any plugs before you get out of here? No. uh, Well, yeah. I mean, obviously support Wrestling Inc. Uh, That's my bread and butter. Um, We we dropped news there. I had a fantastic interview that dropped today with Sam Adonis, um, who I know many of your listeners may know from AAA or CMLL. Uh, I like Sam a lot. I worked with him at Warrior Wrestling. And uh, I was excited to kind of get an idea of where his headspace was as he's making a bigger name here in North America. And he was really known for that Donald Trump sympathizer gimmick down in Mexico. We got a lot of attention for that. Mm -hmm. Um, It sounds like that uh, did some damage to his career and his psyche. And it's a, it's a much more candid open conversation than I was expecting to have with Sam. I don't really always know what I'm going to get. So crazy, man. Like it's like, some of this stuff, the one thing that like, you know, like, and I mean, some people deserve to be canceled, whatever, but like, the one thing is if somebody's playing a character, I mean, we will get Fritz von Eric playing a Nazi, you know what I mean? Like it's fucking wrestling, dude. I don't want like, Nazis in wrestling. Like it's like, Dan, if you do a Nazi gimmick, what's the worst it? thing that's going to happen to your family? The von Erics were fine. I think, <laughs> but I think that's, I think that's why I like this Sam interview so much is because it's a really telling interview of the times, because if you go back just this past weekend, there's that XPW show where Drake Wirtz is doing transphobic promos. You got that uh, necro butchers turning people MAGA. I mean, we saw the damage that was done to control your narrative once Austin Aries got involved and there was all these anti-vaxxer stuff and all that. We're at a point now where like, it's a very millennial, I say this as a millennial, um, it's a very millennial way of handling things because it used to be that you would just go to work and do your job and make money and you were happy about it. Now you got to go to work and like where you work, you know? And I think that wrestling fans kind of found their way there where it's not just like, I'm going to watch wrestling and enjoy myself. I have to like the people I'm watching. I have to like the characters to some degree. I don't want people on my screen that have ideology that I disagree with. I mean, it really took a number on Cody too after his I've cured racism promo. Um, but it's it's just interesting now uh, how there does seem to be some lines and you can't just go out there and throw a Nazi out because you might actually lose your audience, you know? And so I think it's just a really- it, Oh, Jane. It <laughs> And it's just, it was just a fascinating conversation. But anyway, so yeah, go Whatever. support that. Go support Wrestling Inc. I'm Nick that's underscore awesome, Hospital over on Twitter. And uh, and that's it. I always appreciate you guys in, uh, having me on. And, and anytime Absolutely. you want to talk. Anytime, man. Anytime. You're you're welcome on the show. Absolutely, guys. All right. You guys have a great rest we're of your really day. We're really blowing up in the incel community right now. So please <laughs> come by. That's uh, my target demo. They love me. Yeah, yeah that's why I'm, I'm incel's number one wrestling podcaster. All right, buddy. Have a good one, man. And uh, congrats Thank again. You. I'm getting married. No, thank you so much, guys. You have a great rest of your day. You too. Congrats, brother. All right, guys. Switching gears. Ooh, hot damn. We got a lot of uh, news. New we news. Got a, we're a real wrestling podcast. You now. know what? I Yeah, I enjoyed that so much. And, and I checked Twitter as we're interviewing him. And, and Meltzer posted like a, you know, like huge news breaking uh, tonight or, so, you know, all the top story. And it's just, it just feels like he's panicking trying to get a... Uh, <laughs> How much, you know, how much should the elite donate to charity this, this week? It's, it's kind of, I, I think Meltzer's an amazing wrestling historian. And I do think he brings a lot of insight into the business. You know, I was a, I was a, I was an observer subscriber for about a year and a half, two years, you know, but um, as far as a journalist, I just feel like he's been, you know, he's just been exposed a little bit uh, because he's just too close to some of these guys and, 
you know, and, and it's just, I mean, the bar, you know, the bar for wrestling journalism is ankle level, you know, like you can trip over it. But once you start, once your show becomes more about how this wrestling is great and this other wrestling sucks, then that's fine. That's a good show. I want to listen to that show. But it's Cornette's no, show. What? That's Jim Cornette's entire show. Yeah, but that's not news. That's what I mean. You're not a journalist. Right. And yeah. a lot of a lot of the Observer, half of it is just a recap now, which is your opinion on what happened. But I'm going to list off sportsters. Sportsters. Wait, brother, I got to bounce too. <laughs> oh, you got to bounce. Just- yeah, he's going, he's officiating Nick's wedding. He's got to go get ready. <laughs> Hilarious. Robert, I'm going to just list. Okay, Scott, what do you want to plug before you get out of here? uh i mean this podcast our t-shirts um our facebook group our patreon we're roasting the undertaker this weekend uh hey dynamite this week since i'm not going to mention it later i liked a lot of the matches uh didn't like a lot of the creative choices and i hope the elite come back as heels thank you buddy and check out after smokes scott yes sir thank you all right see you later man all right robert i'm just going to list these top 10 and i want to hear your problems with it if you have problems with it or if you agree with it. Okay. What, what illustrious uh, group compiled this list? Uh, this was from sportster.com. Wow. All right. So big I didn't want to do it with wrestling. Wrestling has one, but then I look like I'm in wrestling's back pocket. No, we, yeah. we would be love. We would love to make that instead where you're in the illustrious, thick, huge pocket of one Mr. Conrad Thompson. We love you, Conrad. I was like, Save oh, with Conrad.com. There's nothing spooky about the savings you'll have at SaveWithConrad.com. I mean, except for most of those houses are built on an Indian burial ground. <laughs> Let's do top 10. All right, number 10. Mainly Paul just Bear. Gerald Briscoe. Number 10, Paul Bear. Number nine, The Boogeyman. Uh, number eight, Papa Shango. Number seven, Gangrel. Number six, The Ultimate Warrior. Number what? five, the demon Finn Balor. Number four, Mordecai. Number three, Bray Wyatt. Number two, Kane. And number one, the Undertaker player. What do you think about this list, Robert? I mean, the only thing spooky about Warrior are most of his views on, you know, humanity. <laughs> uh, Mordecai is a, I, I mean. It's crazy that Mordecai beat mankind. It's crazy that Mordecai beat Kevin Thorne in terms of yeah. spooky gimmicks that one dude had. Like the scariest thing about Mordecai was that they decided to push him in the first place because it <laughs> sucked. It was a terrible, terrible gimmick. It wasn't a terrible idea. It wasn't a terrible idea. The good version of The Undertaker that actually turns out to be bad, that's pretty good fucking creative, man. But- it, was, it was fine creative, but he, he looks like uh, the, the, the guys from Game of Thrones. With the, with the white hair, but everyone on that show, or not came in, House of the Dragon. Um, I've, I've never seen the show. I mean, no, I saw the pilot and I read the first half of the first book. That was it. Of what, Game of Thrones or House of the Dragon? Game of Thrones, House of Dragon. Uh, Game of Thrones is basically, it's like a less interesting West Wing, but with dragons. That's pretty much it. Um, Man, if I, we could combine that and have Martin Sheen, you know, on Puff the Magic Dragon, I think that's going to attract a lot of eyeballs. I mean, I would, I would, that's, that's what Charlie Sheen sees every night before he goes to sleep. But, uh, <laughs> look, I, I think it's, uh, when you're doing the spooky list, Paul Bear should be higher on the list than the boogeyman or to a lesser extent, Papa Shango, since those are sort of two versions of the same, the same gimmick. And Papa Shango genuinely freaked me out as a kid. Like I remember when he was making people throw up and stuff pouring out of their head. I would put Jake Roberts on a list of spooky guys before I would put some of those people on there. I mean, Roberts hiding the the snake in uh, 
the I mean, wedding gift. argument that Vince should be number one. <laughs> you know? Well, if he was the higher power, so if it's who the Undertaker yeah. answered to, now we're just I mean, the man feuded with God in a church. Yes, but and won. So, you know, if you guys have Robert tells an amazing story about that in our archives, Robert was actually part of the creative team that came up with the Shawn Michaels and God versus Vincent Shane storyline somewhere in the archives which was referenced uh, by Roman Reigns this week. So, yes, it was um, Roman Reigns. I'm more scared of him than I am a lot of these guys like that dude could could kill you. But uh, I think Bray on there makes sense for being spooky. Paul Bearer was very spooky uh boogeyman like i don't want to get slapped by cornet but there's nothing particularly spooky about him he was a goof from the beginning uh he plays the character well as a comedy act but it's not something that's that's remotely as soon uh, as trump didn't sell the boogeyman it was over it was dead it was dead on arrival before that we were yeah. we were pissed when vince remember that the boogeyman was in ovw and that he was gonna that they were gonna call him up like we were hoping he was gonna forget and I remember I had to pull a, a tape to show up. That guy was a pretty good dude, but very nice guy. But yeah. you know, the problem is, is the the character is so over the top wacky that unless you're putting him in the uh, like R Truth, Akira Tozawa, Tamina segments, he's not a guy that should be beating Booker T. No, that's true. But the, the shelf life for a spooky gimmick is very very short because eventually. It, it runs out of steam. Like, you know, Bray Wyatt is going to have to continue to keep reinventing himself. Uh, well, Undertaker. he's going to have to find a way, just like Undertaker, he's going to have to find a way to be a really good wrestler, which he was before The Fiend, but still keep the gimmick, which is easier, way easier said than done. Let's get to Dynamite or Dud. I'll go through hour one, Robert. You can tell me what you thought. Jericho Appreciation Society versus the Blackpool Combat Club. FTR versus Swerve in Our Glory. Uh, Britt Baker and Soraya were backstage setting up their match. MJF uh, had a backstage promo with Renee um, Good, I guess, or Young or Paquette or Paquette. There's a bunch of different last names. And then we got uh, Brian Danielson for Sammy Guevara, which did continue to the second hour. What do you think of this first hour, Robert? Uh, I think the thing with, with Dynamite at this point is nothing feels urgent or necessary. Uh, I will agree with Scott's assessment. Jericho and Garcia versus Claudio and Yuta, like Claudio is having a great time out there. And I think part of it is because he just hasn't been used on TV in well, a I while. Think they did a, I do think they did a good job with that because you need to have him definitively beat Jericho for us to give a shit if this Ring of Honor main event is him versus Jericho. You do, but I would not have had them win here because you literally just had Danny Garcia realign with the Jericho Appreciation Society and in his first outing, they lose. It That felt very, yeah, very about the main, Like They're trying to promote the Marina, Ring of Honor main event. If you have you know, Jericho beat Cesaro, Cesaro and Danny and Wheeler Utah, even if it's like to cheat to beat Wheeler Utah and not pin Cesaro, I feel like there's less interest in the match. No, I think that's it's fine in that you completely cut the legs out from Garcia. You turn Garcia, or I mean, he didn't turn him, he was always sort of a heel. Like you establish him as this real top tier threat now, and you as someone that you want to see Danielson go and face. And then their very first outing as this, you know, reunified Jericho Appreciation Society. And they lose. Uh, that that to me kind of sucked. Uh, I didn't I didn't love that idea. Uh, the the Bucks and Omega video that they aired, where like Thanos snapped them out of existence, was cool, I thought you know clearly an example that uh, 
we know who's going to be coming back to TV and who's not going to be coming back to TV. But, uh, you know, I, I, it was, it was interesting and it was the only newsworthy segment of the show. Swerve and Lee versus FTR was a lot of fun. There was some sloppy spots in it, but overall the crowd was super into it. The commentary did a great job. Taz, when Taz gets fake annoyed, it's always entertaining when you can tell that he's kind of getting a little hot and he's it really sucks mad. that like he's stepped up at a time when the company's not, you know, well, that's, that was his entire impact run. Like, right. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Soraya Brit thing was kind of disjointed, but then the, and the MJF promo. Yeah. Let's talk about that. All right. So. I mean, it was, he was, he, he delivered it great. He delivered it great. And it's clear that he's leaning into the baby face stuff because the ultimate payoff is going to be, you know, this is a swerve bro. And he's still working with the firm and he's going to use those uh, guys. It, can, it cannot be that he's still working with the firm. He can be a heel, but if it there's, if there's anything other than he's the guy orchestrating this behind the firm, this is the stupidest fucking storyline of all time because I feel it's, like it's stupid if uh, he got killed too hard by the firm. Well, and that's what I thought at the end. They went a little too hard, but you know what? But again, he's playing to the devil thing, and it's the whole usual suspects of the greatest trick devil ever played. Uh, it, it's like I'm willing to, to, to sacrifice myself for the greater good of me becoming AEW world champion. But the promo was so unbelievably over-the-top babyface doing the Moxley impression getting the crowd to to cheer for him, talking about how I have this chip on my shoulder and I need to prove who I am. And then telling Stokely off, like it was, it was so over the top that I'm like, okay, now I see we're telling the story now to get to the pay-per-view, which is Max is acting like a baby face, acting like a baby face. And then at the pay-per-view is going to be revealed that he is truly sinister in the same way Vince let you know the undertaker kidnap stephanie and at the end of the day he was really the higher power otherwise pissed off about that yes but otherwise if it's not and this is max acting like a baby face like this is a weird weird terrible decision because now the crowd is like we really want max to be a baby face and it's like unless it's a big fuck you to the audience and they hate him even more this is really really dumb uh sammy and and brian had a a very good match. I would uh, say a great match. I love that. Match. I would say a great match, but it was a, it was a very good match. That what what did we get out of it? Like it, it was it was a fun match to have on paper. I'm glad we got to see those guys wrestle. But it's like Danielson's story with the Blackpool Combat Club was not necessarily forwarded by him beating Sammy here. No, I mean they should have they should have had something with Wheeler in the match, and I don't know. Um, hour two, uh, all championship. Uh, I'm sorry, Atlantic Championship match, All Atlantic or fucking whatever it's called. Match the stupid match. fucking title that we forget exists. Yeah, Orange Cassidy versus Luchasaurus versus Phoenix next week. Should be a great match. At the very end of it, Orange Cassidy kind of just pops in like Poochie from The Simpsons and tells us that we're going to have this match next week. It was very awkward. Jamie Hader versus Riho. I thought this was actually a really well-wrestled match. Rio made Jamie look great and Jamie looked like a star. Uh, Eddie Kingston got interviewed backstage was a little awkward because they, they it seemed like they kind of stayed away from some of the Pac death triangle stuff because they know that they're going to have to do elite versus death triangle at the pay-per-view. There was a Darby Allen segment. Uh, we had John Moxley versus uh, Pentagon for the AEW world championship. Moxley obviously went over afterwards. The firm came and destroyed Moxley. And then MJF came out 
to conceivably make the save, but was destroyed by the fern. What do you think of the second hour, Robert? I mean, yeah, the the, the Phoenix Luchasaurus aren't saying like, all right, you're setting up something for next week. That should be a really fun match uh, that they can work around Luchasaurus. Jamie Hader and Riho was, I'm not the biggest, you know, Riho fan because I just think she, the way that she looks and carries herself uh, and, and, and even kind of wrestles, like it strains credibility a lot when she's in there, but her match with, with Jamie Hader was, it was very good at elevating Hader. Uh, I, I think Jamie Hader is a star. I think putting her in there with Tony storm is going to be challenging because I think the crowd is going to be primarily cheering for, for Jamie Hader. And they should have continued the dissension tease with her and Brit instead of pivoting away from it uh, the way that they did, because I think that there is something marketable about Jamie Hader and there is this groundswell where you should listen to your your audience. Eddie Kingston's promo was odd, where he's like pretending like, no, no, I'm happy. And, and uh, you know, leave me alone about everything. I was like, I'm doing well. And I was like, I didn't know what they were talking about. Like at, at first I thought it was like he did that, the, the, the PSA about like suicide prevention. I'm like, well, that's not it. But what were we referencing here? They didn't reference whatever it was. And I either it happened on Rampage and I didn't see it. Or it was on Dynamite, I, and I don't it remember. It very much felt like Tony's like, we need Eddie on the show, but we can't continue this Pac feud because we got yeah. Death Triangle versus the Elite, so let's just fucking have him say some shit. But yeah, you have him there talking about not being happy, and then there's a Darby video about Darby not being happy. So all the yeah. Miro stuff is seeping on the TV. Penta and Moxley struck me as weird because they, they booked it on Rampage, apparently. They never built it at all. They didn't build it at all, and then the match was so short. Like the like well, the match was really good for for what it was. It was, but, but it was like the part was, of a really good match. Short. It was too short. It was like by the time that they actually started wrestling, it was like nine forty two, and it was over by nine fifty three. But isn't that, but isn't that da- the damned if they do, damned if they don't aspect of the company where we're like, look, man, you got to lean more heavily on storyline. It's great to have great matches, but if they don't mean anything, who cares? Um, and then we see a match where we're like, all right, well, we'll this is more about the story and the aftermath and then people were annoyed because they didn't get the moxley and pentagon match they thought they were going to get well because you're 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 putting pentagon in there i think the problem with it is you're trying to make pentagon seem like a a a viable number one contender and then he barely lasted 10 minutes in there with moxley and lost clean that's where i kind of have the issue with it where you have a lot of mileage with penta penta is a baby face beating him so handily and so quickly is problematic to me. Um, I think if you would have given it a couple more minutes and had it been a, a, a you know really competitive match, it's like, all right, and, and I'm not talking a lot, like an extra four minutes on this, what I think would have been the, the difference. You know, you had to get to the firm coming out and attacking Moxley and then establishing the Blackpool Combat Club were locked in the back and then having Max be gallantly sacrificed for trying to go save Moxley it's like, oh, this is intrigue, but it's intrigue to a, a feud we don't really care a lot about uh, in a storyline that feels muddied where the audience doesn't really know what to do. And if they go all in on we really want to see Max as a babyface, you get into that weird like Flair territory where Flair was a heel that they kind of portrayed as a babyface. And then when you're neither fish nor fowl, the audience doesn't know how to properly well, react. I- but the problem is, is the audience, right? I mean, it's AEW, so they're all smart marks, including myself and yourself. Um, so when we see somebody doing a good job at being a heel, we're going to cheer them. And WWE still has enough casual fans 
where like, you know, like, oh, we're just going to cheer the person who's the bad guy in the storyline. That's not always the case, but it's more so in the case in AEW. In AEW, as soon as you start doing your job well, the audience rewards you for that. And that in turn can get in the way of your character's heat, which is just a real, I mean, meta 2022 problem. Yeah, I guess that's, you know, it's, it's, fair. I, I, it's fair, but I, again, I, I look back at the show just in general and it's like, I don't care about the, the, the MJF stuff, which is damning. Like I thought he did a fine job in what he did in delivery, but I, I feel no connection to what's going on in the show. And the only takeaway from the entire broadcast was a 20 second video about the Bucks and, and Kenny. And it's like, well, what's going to happen with them? And and that sucks because they put a lot of people forward on this show who should be getting uh, time and attention and, and are, are worth it. Yeah, I mean, I I can't disagree with that. Um, I, uh, you know, it's it, it was a frustrating show in the sense that there was a like like in a in a Petri dish. This was a great wrestling show. You know, almost all the matches were very good to to great. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody, nobody kind of looked like a goof, but you wonder, you know, what's next. I think it's dangerous. I, I think, I don't think they should have brought in Renee for that segment of MJF. I think they should have brought in Alex Marvez because, you know, if you want, if you want, okay. So if you want MJF to be the baby face, or if you want MJ people to believe that MJF is the baby face, then you don't make fun of the guy in front of the guy's wife. You know, you save that for the rubber match. I'm not saying they shouldn't do that. They should do that at some point. They just shouldn't have done that here. So yeah, it's just a, it's, it's a lot of like, and I, and I keep, and, and this, well, I'll go back to this. Let's, let's transition to high spot, low spot. My low spot this week is kind of the punk aftermath and just being like, you know, getting away from who was right and who was wrong and instead focusing on the creative opportunities that are going to be missed from punk, not being there. The only, if you really want to do turn MJF babyface, and I, and I would have never thought you could do that, but the last month or so I'm like, Oh, you could do that. And also it would be kind of interesting, especially with, with everything that's going on with, with Kanye, you know, uh, to have somebody, you know, who's exceptionally talented, who happens to be Jewish to then be pushed in the, in the baby face role. But the only person that could have made that happen is not in the company anymore. And that's CM Punk. The only one who could have had, who has the uh, storytelling acumen of, of being able to do the double turn similar to what Steve and Brett did at WrestleMania 13 is CM Punk. And now we're just, we're just never going to see that. I, the only other way that you can do it uh, is you bring back Kenny and the elite and they're out there celebrating and coming, you know, cutting a promo, whatever. And you have Max go out there and just say, you know what? No, you drove away my best friend, Cody Rhodes, because of your backstage bullshit. You, you pushed out CM Punk, which cost me a hell of a lot of money. And this is my company now, not yours. Yeah. that's actually yeah. great. I love that. That's the only way to do Robert. it. Eh, what the fuck do I know? Um, you know, I, I uh, but that that is the only way that you could kind of get away with it. I never I don't want to see Max as a baby face. I think it's too easy for Max to be a baby face because when he is, you lose that edge. 
when he's yeah, a that's, heel, that's, that's just the problem with turning anybody babyface. No, right? there's guys that you, you could turn Steve, you turn Steve Austin babyface. Steve Austin was still the same because he was an ass kicker. When it's you as the 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 a smart ass, shit. yeah, the, yeah, like smart the ass. the weaselly smart ass, not like the Rock. Like that's why the promo this week felt like such a parody. Like this felt like him doing a Rock promo just to show he can do it, but he's not earnest about it. He's not really going to be a babyface going forward. Uh, if you really made him a full-on babyface, there's nothing edgy about what he's saying because he's the he's the face of the company. He's the he's the rah-rah hero that you want to cheer. Yeah, but, and it's uh, also one of these things where it's like to your point, you know, like Austin when he was a heel had all these babyface elements, you know, and MJF really like what he does well has none of that. Um, yeah. so it 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 is it's kind of like being like, well, you know, I mean. Heath Ledger could also play Batman. He probably could, but you want to see him as the Joker. Right. But Heath Ledger's the guy that you didn't think could play the Joker if you saw him as like the guy from 10 Things I Hate About You. So people can surprise you. Mm -hmm. I think Max would be a, a great babyface and make it work if he wanted to. It's just not playing to his strengths. And I, I don't want to see anything that's going to alter who this guy is and, and what he can deliver. Uh, especially in 2024 when he's in Stanford. Ha! High spot uh, for me this week was, uh, I just want to thank, um, I want to thank Jeremy Lambert in, over at Fightful for, um, this was not something I reached out to, but he covered our podcast last week and everything that's going on with the Steve Austin cartoon. Um, so yeah, those are my high spot and low spots of the week. I'll get into show plugs, but first, Robert, what was your high spot, low spot of the week? So I'll start my low spot. My low spot this week was raw. Uh, I thought that Raw was a very it wasn't flat, that good. It was a very flat three hours of TV, and it was the first time during the Triple H era where it felt like it was dragging. Uh, and there were there were moments in it that were good. I think Rhea Ripley slamming Luke Gallows was a very Dude, cool that was visual. On, Rhea Ripley is on fire, man. She, I mean, she's, she's hotter than MJF right now. She's fantastic. <laughs> uh, the Bailey Bianca main event was a solid main event. It was it was good not match. spectacular, but it was definitely a, a solid thing. But like there was a lot of Johnny Gargano on the show. And I don't think a lot of the representation of him on there did him any favors, uh, especially making him wrestle Baron Corbin, uh, who to me is, it tends to be a black hole. I don't like that. They've now pushed Riddle back into being a comedy act where he's like the goofy sidekick to Elias playing bongos. When the serious riddle that was going against Rollins was really, really interesting. Yeah, uh, I break it all I down. It's like Kurt Angle, though. You can kind of go back and forth. You can, but Kurt was at least a main event guy. Like I, I just, I, I, I liked the pivot they're making to Riddle. I don't like the the step back they took here, and I just didn't like that it was like I was watching Raw this week, and it was the first time in months where I was kind of you know a little bored. But they're allowed to have off days, off weeks. You know, well, I'm still on the uh, Hunter's going to make this better train, which brings me to my high spot of the week. Uh, that it looks like. They are getting rid of the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, oh, which was my God. least thank favorite God. thing that they do, which it sucked because you knew it was on the calendar. And then all of a sudden, hey, these two guys have a really heated issue that comes out of nowhere that can only be settled by Hell in a Cell. The caveat is Hunter's not getting rid of the Hell in a Cell match. It's still, so, it's still something creative has in its arsenal, and they can bring it up when they need to, but it's always so contrived and convoluted when you're getting to the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view and all of a sudden these guys have a Hell in a Cell issue or worse, when you force guys into a Hell in a Cell when they don't have 
an issue that warrants I mean, the, there's the match. Been, there's been matches like Roman Reigns versus Rusev and Hell in a Cell that have just never made sense because they were just trying to build a pay-per-view and not the feud. Yeah, I 135% agree with you. I don't know why I picked 35%. Seems very arbitrary. Um, but let's get into the plugs of our show, guys. For Patreon, if for five dollars a month you get three extra episodes, and one of which will be the roast of the Undertaker, which we are recording this weekend, will drop on Monday. Uh, as far as the regular show, um, November fourth, we've got the roast of the Young Bucks, and November eighteenth, we have the roast of Sid. So uh, you'll be seeing that. Yeah, anyone who's new to our show, because in case they're new, there are new ears because of Nick Houseman being on and talking about this. We roast wrestlers every other week, man. And we do a pretty funny job of it. So, you know, most of them are pretty great. There's a dud here and there. Don't look at our Suzuki episode. But, like, <laughs> you know, we got some good shit. Um, and Mike Lawrence, who was the Comedy Central Roast Battle champion, uh, is on for about 95% of those roasts. So please uh, please check out our archives. We've, done, we've just had a lot of fun. You know, you don't have to listen to the rest of the show where we recap Dynamite of whatever that week was. But the first part is usually all about how much the things we love about the wrestler and then we get to roast him so it's or it's, you go back and listen to those old dynamites when everybody was talking about how great the show is and i'm saying like hey here are the giant holes in this sinking ship and then you can be like wow robert was right all along also speaking i of wanted plugs, the silence to, uh, to really oh i know i know i, I wasn't gonna let, to i wasn't really, gonna let you have well, it i really wanted you to feel uh, not being able to put yourself over, you know, nah, really, that's, that's never going to happen. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WWE creative underscore I S H. Yeah. Uh, we've got a, uh, the, the Facebook group, which is, which is great. Um, actually somebody, I want to, uh, mention this, uh, TJ Martinez has a thread on there on the Facebook group. He is going to the AEW new year smash show in Colorado and he's opposite hard cam. He wants to bring a wrestle roast themed sign to put oh, on camera. He's yes. asking for suggestions. Go on the thread. Let him know what uh, what you want to do. His current yeah. leading thing is Scott Chaplin is better than Robert Carpolis. I don't know how I feel about that one. <laughs> um, you know, maybe I'll like I'm going to let you guys talk about it first. But then like from those ideas, whichever ones were the best ones, I'm going to put them in a poll. And then whoever and then, you know, if this guy's at hard cam, he can choose whether or not to put this shirt up. But that would be, uh, you know, knowing us, that would be the week that w the AEW finally starts policing signs. So, Exactly. Or it's the week where it's the lowest rated show of the year. There's Their signs are starting to get weird now. Starting like to? They're, they're always so weird. inside. It almost like some of the AEW signs, it feels like those little the little sign-off cards that Chuck Lorre leaves after yes. all the shows. You know, where I'm like, who is this for? Some of them are so esoteric about like video games, which is like a very specific, like they hope yeah. that Kenny Omega sees it. And I, I've never played a Final Fantasy game in my life, so I don't get half the references in some of these signs. But they like years ago, it used to be you bring a sign and you're in the front row because you want to name an indie wrestler that you want Tony Khan to sign. Because chances are Tony Khan will then Google who that person is and see if they're worth signing. The problem is Tony Khan has now signed every independent wrestler <laughs> on the planet, uh, including the pizza guy. I mean, so they've gave, run out of what gave, he gave Warhorse a look, dude. You know, I mean, it's the 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 the, the there is no blood you can get from that turnip anymore. Um, yes, we, we, it's we've now seen too many people. Uh, everybody has been given an opportunity 
with uh, with AEW, or they're on dark or on dark elevation or, or, or something like that. Um, Some plugs on my end, folks. Uh, in addition to doing this podcast, I'm also a comedian and a writer, and I'm going to be on the road a lot like next month. Everybody in the South, next, I'm going to be at the Riot in Houston next Thursday. I believe that is November 3rd. I'm going to be at... Uh, JP as you it. quickly google it we can <laughs> i really should have done a better job but that wasn't even so that was like the googling like that you know that like uh jim carrey bruce almighty like gif where he's like <laughs> super typing on the All computer right. uh november 3rd i'm at the riot in houston texas uh november 4th i'm at club 337 at lafayette louisiana my buddy jp leonard runs that show he's awesome um, and on November 5th, which on my website, it's listed as the fourth, but that's not true. I'm at the hideaway in Mandeville, Louisiana. You can get tickets for all of these shows on my website, dancestgermain.net. Everybody who's in the Detroit area, uh, which who, where I was recently opening for Michelle Wolf, I'll be opening for Dan Soder there at the Comedy Castle, one of my favorite rooms. I'm also going to be opening for Dan Soder in Nashville at Zany's, which I hear is an amazing room. Last time I was in Nashville, pretty crazy. I, I think this will be a lot less crazy, but, you know. The show will still be funny, and, and if less you wrestlers know, trying to kill you this time. Yeah, and if, if you have, if you know Dan and Michelle, you know that they're two of the best comics in the world. So, come check it out. Um, subscribe to our Patreon. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, please go on our Facebook group. We've got a big ass Facebook group. People who are already fans of us, let other wrestling groups know about us, man. Spread the word. Spread that shit like fucking COVID in Texas, buddy. We, uh, we want to put ourselves over. So, again, thank you to Nick Hausman. Um, apologies that Mr. Lawrence could not be on the show. Um, I'm sure he'll pop his head back up very soon. And uh, thank you, Mr. Karpolis. Uh Since Zach is not here, you want to do the honors? Wash your hands. <laughs>